All right, inappropriate Earl, it, back in the house. And uh, you're going to hear some buzzing going on. As many of you know, I uh, bought all new Apple products, and I still don't know how to turn the alarms off. So uh, sorry about that. We're not the most uh, professional operation here. But uh, it's a big week for Roast Battle. Season two is being taped as we speak right now. And I have on my couch a man I've literally known for five seconds. So uh, this is a first for me, but he's the legend of New York. Uh, he's the New York Roast Battle champion and uh, recently beat the Roast Battle season one champion, Mike Lawrence, and he's competing uh, on season two. So uh, I know a lot of people want to hear what this man has to say. New York Roast Battle against L.A. Roast Battlers. Put your hands together for Zach Amico. Wow. Thank you so much for having me, Earl. Dude, it's, uh, I feel like I'm meeting a superhero because I've heard uh, many things about you. I, I assure you, my, my legend far exceeds the actual person. Well, you, uh, I saw your uh, takedown. I think where you first came to fame uh, is your battle against that really hot girl. Yeah, that was my first battle ever, actually. And now, how did you get roped into that? Uh, that... Uh, that lovely young woman is Karen Feehan, and uh, she was at the, she was dating uh, my podcast co-host Louis J Gomez, who uh, hosts Roast Battle in New York City, uh, Roast Masters, and uh, he decided to put us together for our first battle. I had been writing for other people for uh, Roast Roast Masters for like a few months at that point. I wrote on the roast of Big J Okerson they did, and uh, they wanted me to battle. I didn't know who to go against. And I think they put me against her to uh, kind of test my merit. And uh, she, at the time, and she's actually gotten very good, but uh, at the time she did not particularly understand, I think all the concepts of what a battle was. I think she thought you just said mean things and didn't have to make it funny. And I just, uh, I just, I took her to the ringer. It was tough to watch. Yeah. <laughs> not if you're me. Not a, if you're me. If, out of those 3.5 million views, I think a million and a half are me laughing to myself at home. Because, uh, I mean, out here when there's a bad battle, it's, you know, or a one-sided battle, uh, it can be good or bad for the crowd. Either they love it or it's like, oh, boy, this is tough. So uh, did you get the bug to do it after that? Yeah, that definitely made me want to do it more and more. Um, I was afraid I was kind of going to get typecast as just a guy that battles girls as like this, like a uh, slut shamer type deal. <laughs> uh, Cause that's all people online wanted me to do. But luckily I got, uh, I got some great battles with some really talented people. Good. And, now uh, who else have you battled other than Mike Lawrence? I've battled Christy Cello, uh, JP McDade, uh, Joel Walkowski, Patrick Schroeder, I'm trying to think of anybody else I had that I'm not thinking of. That's I wound up having rematches of all my battles when we did the tournament. Right. I, I had to reface uh, Karen and Christy and JP. Oh, Christy's uh, the best. Yeah, Christy's wonderful. Um, I faced Christy twice now. Now, when you go up against someone like Christy who's so likable, does your strategy change? Like, Because she's almost automatically going to have the crowd on her side. There's the smile and uh, do you switch your battle uh technique when it's uh, a likable person or is it doesn't matter who's next to you i always try to let the writing speak for itself um i always try to be respectful up top i never try to like shit on the person uh that's not really my deal 
I always, I'm excited to be there. I'm happy to be there. And that's genuinely how I feel. I'm not playing a character. Uh, with Christy, yeah, definitely the crowd's going to love her. And it is hard to uh, go hard at her up top. So my strategy with somebody like Christy, who's super likable, is to start fun and then start to twist the knife a few jokes in. I think people's biggest problem with Christy sometimes is they call her fat right away. But nobody wants to hear that right away. Right. Then you're then you're a dickhead. But if you get her on a few things first and then you call her fat, <laughs> then it's just fun. Like where do you hit her first? The voice? Yeah, you hit her on something easy first. The voice, the personality, you know, uh for me. Because, uh, you know, dance with the one that brought you. Uh, she fucks black guys. So well, that's her problem. Yeah, that's a uh, go. You got to go with your wheelhouse sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Now, in L.A., we get very inside baseball with our battles. Like we really, you know, you fuck this person. I mean, do you guys in New York really go for the inside dirt? We do. We kind of have uh, actually Mike Lawrence established this. Uh, we have this thing now. If you're going to battle, we pretty much we all go out to dinner uh and really just let loose and tell each other everything like even before we did the new york regionals uh evan williams and i uh went out to a diner and we just literally sat and told each other every sad thing about our life for an hour and all i thought the entire time was hey man anybody that's listening just thinks we're on the shittiest first date ever because <laughs> it can't get deep you know yeah. the, uh you know, some of the battles out here, it's like, my God, there's rape jokes, there's uh, abortion jokes, miscarriage jokes. And I think some people go, wow, that's what's funny about that. It works, though. I, uh, I've i definitely attacked. Uh, I mean, the second time I battled Karen, I, I had a couple about her dating Lewis, who hosts the show. Uh, Chris, I don't think I've named any of the con other than unless they're like a friend of mine. Right. I don't think I've named. I mean, I've known. Uh, sometimes it goes poorly. Like I could think of a battle where a girl referenced uh, a guy who dated a girl comedian who said he hit her and that went poorly. The crowd didn't go along on that one. There was uh, that also happened in Montreal uh, uh, between uh, Mark Norman and Tony Hinchcliffe. There was some, a deep cut that some people thought was too deep, but uh, I mean, I'm of the opinion. Nothing's too deep. I mean, if it's oh, true, I agree. I agree. If it's if it's a true thing, I think anything's completely on the table. I would never ask anybody not to say anything. But I mean, that's to me. I mean, there's no rules to roast battle, but uh, I, I do think the only like unwritten rules you can't make up a joke. Like, yeah. Like there was a joke. Uh, I was at your battle the other night, and uh, my ex girlfriend was battling, and there was a joke that was made about me that was untrue. And it, it really bothered me. You know? Yeah, that bugs me too, actually. Because it's like I know everyone in the room. It's like, you know, uh, it was something along the lines of I cheated on her and I, I didn't. And it's like, well, now 300 people are going to think I'm a fucking scumbag. So uh, do you think there's any unwritten rules? And uh, do you have something you won't do? Is there a line you won't you know, cross? I, one thing I try to stick with is if somebody is dating a non-comic, I won't attack them. I'll... I think the joke at the end of the day does have to be about the person you're battling. Right. Not about someone else in their life. And uh, I personally, if somebody's dating, for lack of a better term, a civilian, I would never like attack a regular person just because they're dating a comedian. Because I think that would discourage other people, other very funny people from wanting to do roast battle. 
yeah to protect people that they that they care about because i know uh we have a roaster out here pat barker who's probably one of the is one of the top ones if not the best and uh his wife uh you know had an unfortunate miscarriage and every every battle he hears like i mean i don't know if i could ever do that like yeah i think that's a little rough i mean that's uh th- there's not too many lines i won't cross in roast battle but uh your opponent is uh Probably one of the tougher dudes to uh, roast in yeah, Matt Broussard. Yeah, very, very difficult. Matt Broussard, he's very funny. He has great rebuttals. And, uh, you know, he's the same with the, We have uh, J.P. McDade out in New York. I think they have a similar vibe to them. Right. Where they both write in their stand-up. They do short form mostly. Uh, and then on top of that, there's just not that much to them. You can only call somebody white so many times yeah or tall so many times or you know there's there's just not a lot of bite to them and he like he's good looking he's he's smart i mean he came from the financial business and uh you know he's funny he's successful so outside of maybe i mean i don't know and his girlfriend nobody knows i mean she's really cool but like uh you can't really attack her because like she's kind of unknown in the room so it's like where do you how do you go about writing for him like how did you i mean do you look at his picture and go he looks like this or how do you do it yeah i mean the first thing you do i I mean for me it was watching his conan set a few times i listened to his album and i kind of got an idea through that of some of the angles i wanted then me and him spent about an hour on the phone feeding each other information and from there i just uh I, 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 I'm a big fan of outlining. Like I'll just make lists and lists and lists of ideas right. and then try to start coming up with joke formats and see what I can plug in. And were you nervous when you, uh, like when I was in Montreal and you know, the roast battles here are so fucking nerve wracking in the belly room. Cause it's like to coin a wrestling uh, term, it's like uh, ECW. Like it's. I'm an enormous wrestling fan, so. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I some I lose a lot. I of have a cactus jack bang bang on my chest. Oh my god. So. All right, so we're gonna get along. Next great, to then. the Gigi Allen tattoo. So. I'm fans of both. Yeah. Uh, but you know, e- ECW was cramped. It was wild, and uh, you know, so in Montreal, I really wasn't that nervous because it was like, wow, this is a lot less pressure than the belly room even though there's cameras around and uh when you walked out against matt what were the nerves like you know i was nervous all day until i went downstairs to get ready to go on stage and it all went away i was just all pumped i was uh i was fucking oof i i believe i actually as i yelled out as i as i walked out on stage i yelled ec fucking w oh that's That's how pumped i was because it's uh i mean they did a great job in Montreal with the uh, the stadium and House of Blues. Uh, I mean, they transformed it. I mean, it's it was like an ECW arena. That's what it felt like the Thunderdome. It was amazing. Yeah. With I mean, all those people up top and literally doing like the Ring of Honor banging on the gate. Yeah. I mean, oh, it was incredible. And uh, how do you feel about your performance? I'm very happy with it. Uh, I... At the end of the day, I mean, we're going to come out on Monday now. So uh, at the end of the day... I went on stage at 10 o'clock on Comedy Central on a Friday night, and I got away with doing a Robin Williams joke, a Holocaust joke, and a 9-11 joke in a fucking row. And you killed. Yeah, and I had a great set. I knew that I was up against, uh, I think I had a tough battle, and not taking any away from that, he wrote great jokes, he wrote incredible rebuttals. 
I had a feeling I was fucked before we even did our first jokes. Why do you say that? As I as Matt walked out, one girl went, "You're hot." And another girl went, yeah. And I was like, dude, if two girls did that in New York City, the whole crowd would hate this dude. Right. But in L.A., it's like fucking badge of honor. I mean, he probably had the home uh, court advantage. Yeah, uh, but I'm not taking it. He did an incredible job. He fuck, he beat me fair and square. Uh, and he was a great guy. He took me out Monday night, took me to a bar show and got me a spot. Uh, really sweet guy. Uh, but I was very happy with my performance. Even though I didn't win, I completely did me. Oh, absolutely. And I did... I think what I put on TV for this show was the perfect business card for what I do. The style of joke I do, the subject matter I like to play with, everything was me. So while I may not have won, I feel like anybody who would have been a fan of the shit I do completely can latch on to what I put out there. Oh, for sure. And like, you know, winning or losing, it's all about putting on a good show to me. And you guys did. So whatever happens after this season, I mean, I'm assuming you might. I mean, in my head, I would do an all-star season in Montreal, like season three. Yeah, I agree. But who knows? I mean, uh, and I'm sure win or lose, you're going to be at the top of the list because you're watchable. I mean, it was a really fun battle to watch. Yeah, and I think uh, something Jeff told me, because prior to this one, um, I come out. I, I for this one, I did my hair up. I, I have big liberty spikes. That was crazy. Uh, I've never, uh, and I do that for me. Like that's just a way I, I go out. I, I make horror movies on top of comedy, and whenever I do the horror movie shit, whenever I go promote, I do the I do my hair up like that. I used to be in a goth band. What do you put in it over. to get it? Like spray, <laughs> just spray. That was wild. Uh, and. Uh, Jeff had suggested to me at the regionals. He asked me why I didn't put my hair up when I battled because he had seen pictures of me with it up. I said, I don't know. I just kind of don't want the audience to pigeonhole me as as like this punk rock guy. And he's like, no, you want that. You want to be a character. You want to be roastable. And I took a lot from that. And that's why I I decided to go a little more in on my look for uh, doing the TV show. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, whenever I battle, I'm a character like which some people consider cheating, like because people are going to write jokes about you know like alex hooper's uh very famous for doing that like you go up there with alex hooper jokes but you're not really battling alex hooper yeah you know uh so i mean do you think what do you because i know uh new york battlers and la battlers uh differ in their opinions on how to do the show like i would i would say new york battlers are maybe a little more serious like we don't use outside writers and you know, i i myself do i have no uh, i'm like bon jovi i outsource my jokes and you know perform them like do you guys look down at people who you know use other people to help write or no i certainly care? don't i think uh, in new york we, we we definitely collaborate and i'm definitely not going to shit on it because i do make a little bit of money helping other people oh sure so I, I definitely would not shit on that process i do think uh one of the things in new york i think we uh and not necessarily that one is better than the other i think we definitely value uh the writing over the performance right a little more like ours is more of a writer's showcase as opposed to performers um not that either of those is right both are both oh, yeah. could be great uh and then I think one of the other tours in New York. Yeah, I think we don't do uh, a lot of the theatrical shit. Uh, that one of the first big theatrical 
like moments I think we had was me and Mike Lawrence came out as Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. Which is the best. Which is really fun. I mean, if you if you like wrestling, I mean, Dusty Rhodes. I'm assuming you were Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, good, good call. <laughs> uh, what what uh, got you into wrestling? Uh, watching it with my grandfather when I was a little kid. I've always loved it. Uh, my grandfather liked wrestling. So as far as I, I mean, I remember one of my earliest memories is I want to say it was uh, when my aunt was having her bridal shower, all the guys in my family went to my house and we watched what Royal Rumble was it where one of the bushwhackers came to the ring, walked in and literally just got thrown right out. Right. 92, maybe. Yeah, I think he set the record for the quickest. Uh, yeah, he like walked in. He did the like the dance, walked in, got thrown out and then the, did the dance right to the back. And that's like my first wrestling memory. That's great. And I've loved it ever since. I'm fucking obsessed. Like to get ready for my battles, I sit and watch like hardcore like Necro Butcher matches. <laughs> that puts me in my mindset. I watch uh, Sting entrances. Excellent. Because I became obsessed with uh, Sting when he was battling the NWO, yeah. and uh, I tried to do a, a a remake of his entrance where like the ten Stings came in, and in my last battle, I bought ten Sting masks couple sting shirts and it was probably the worst entrance in the history of the show it just no one got I, I didn't really tell people what to do and like it was just it was rough it's, you know so i spent 150 dollars on this fucking entrance <laughs> yeah from for my dusty i just came out dancing uh i was trying to get yamanika saunders to come out of the audience and dance with me well i thought you were gonna get her as kamala <laughs> That would be great if she came out with the moons and the fucking... <laughs> Slightly racist. But yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how racist wrestling was when we watched it. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, people were like surprised Hulk Hogan was racist. It's like, who were Hulk Hogan's black friends? Uh, the guy in chains. The guy who danced with a parrot. Yeah. I mean, but I never... like His, his rich friend's butler. <laughs> as a kid, I never really... It's like, oh, Virgil's kind of like a slave. Oh, Absolutely. And like Kamala was, and then how about that? So, why was he named Virgil? I don't know, because he was in WWF, and Dusty Rhodes' real name is Virgil. Oh wow! Oh. So they named their slave after Dusty Rhodes. So then he goes to WCW to join the NWO. What do they name him? Vincent to say fuck you to Vince oh, for naming him wow. Virgil in WWF. That's crazy. They they were basically like this is we're gonna this is how much we hate you we're gonna name our black guy after you. I mean, I it, there's so many racist characters. I mean, uh, Kamala was like uh, just some unkempt savage. Couldn't how about Colonel Parker bringing Harlem Heat to the ring in chains <laughs> when he won them. I mean, and these guys must. must I wonder what these guys think when they're doing this. Like even when uh, Tony Atlas was Saba Simba. Yeah. Like you must feel awful inside. Yeah. It had to be a little demoralizing, I, I, but I guess the money's good. And like, and I guess maybe if that's the only spot you can get, you know, junkyard dog, I mean, soul crushing to be that character. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the first times now when you have the new day, this is like literally the first time we've had black characters for a long time who aren't either one of two things, which is either militant and angry or man, they just love to have a good time. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't really watch, uh, this 
era of product. I just, I can't get into it. I like the Wyatts. I think they're good. You know, they kind of remind me of characters from back in the day, but uh, there's no storylines. It's just rushed. Yeah, it's definitely rushed. I think they put out too much content. I yeah. think that's the biggest draw of a drawback now is they have too much TV time to fill. Uh, there's people, I love Kevin Owens. Uh, yeah, I followed good. him since the, I mean, I went, I followed him on the Indies for years. So I'm just happy to see him do really well. Right. And uh, they just brought in one of my other favorite wrestlers as a writer and he's doing really good. Who? Uh, Jimmy Jacobs. He had a, an amazing uh, stable on the Indies called the age of the fall. And uh, it was him, Necro Butcher, who I just named, and Tyler Black, who's Seth Rollins now. And they had like this kind of like goth stable, uh, but they had the greatest debut I've ever seen. They fucking. So for weeks, they're teasing this stable. You don't know who's in it. It was Ring of Honor. They have their first ever ladder match in Ring of Honor. It was a tag match. Briscoe's and uh, two other guys. And uh, one of the. And uh, so after the match, uh, Age of the Fall comes out. You don't know who they are. So it's Jimmy's little emo guy, his friend, and Necro Butcher's fucking crazy hillbilly. Necro Butcher has his forearm and fist wrapped in barbed wire. Real barbed wire. Comes out, blows one of the Briscoe's heads open, right? I mean, just kills him. They take the thing the belt hangs from in the ladder match, string him up from his feet, and bring him to the ceiling. Jimmy Jacobs makes his, you know, we're the age of the fall. This is we're here to destroy Ring of Honor thing. Right. Wearing an all white suit standing underneath him as he bleeds out all over him. Oh my oh my God. Right? Then that's his ring jacket for the rest of the run, covered in this guy's blood. Wow. You feel that? Yeah. Is <laughs> this on uh YouTube somewhere? Yeah, you can find it. It's the debut of Age of the Fall. That's crazy. Anyway, the guy who came up with that is one of their writers now and he's starting to put cool shit in. I mean, I hope so, because, uh, I mean, I think we grew up, you know. We grew up spoiled, though, because we had the, the best of it. Yeah, Hogan and his prime, Warrior, you know, and his nonsensical promos and, like, uh, you know, Macho Man in his prime, like, you know, all these. Great- yeah, I mean, I would, dude, I was in high school for the Monday Night Wars. Oh, that was the best. So, I mean, it couldn't have been. Bischoff, it- I mean, he doesn't get the credit, but, I mean. I just interviewed uh, Gene Simmons for my oh. friend's podcast. How did you get him? I ch- I've been trying to get him on this thing for I know, we have years. A, we have a, it's my, it's the, the network I'm on. We have another show called sex, drugs and rock and roll. And it's a uh, big J Okerson and Ralph Sutton do it. And big J was out of town. He was here and Ralph asked me to come and sit, sit in. He didn't tell me who the guest was until like a day before. He's like, it's Gene Simmons. And I'm with my best friend who also is obsessed with wrestling. My buddy Seeger. And he goes, I bet you, you can't get him to say Eric Bischoff. I said, watch. I go, and he goes, Zach, do you have any questions for me? Like being a dick. I was like, did you teach the kiss demon how to wrestle? Oh, and he immediately launches into a story and he goes, so my friend, Eric Bischoff. And I was like, ha ha, motherfucker. I love it. Got him to say it without prompting him. That was uh, when WCW was uh, starting to fade. It's the lowest, the night kiss played was the lowest rated segment in the history of the Monday Night Wars. (laughs) That's got to kill Gene. They ruined double c wcw well that character who was i think what was it dale torbor uh i think i'm uh the guy who played demon yeah was a great wrestler like, yeah just uh not a great gimmick not terrible gimmick uh I, I don't even i think he had one or two matches and it just uh you know that was like a dark dark time for wcw just 
Why, why do you think WCW went downhill so fast? I think it was that guaranteed contract thing that Nash and uh, Hall got. So they were just blowing their, they're blowing through their money. Cause you know, the deal, like they had the deal where uh, Nash and Hall, uh, if you got signed for more money, they got bumped up as well. Oh, wow. So then everybody they brought in was getting this deal. And, you know, Bischoff, I think, had unlimited money at some point, And that ran out. Um, I think it's not his fault it went out. I think Ted Turner just didn't want wrestling anymore. Because, I mean, supposedly Bischoff put together a group of investors to match whatever Vince's offer was. But they just didn't want wrestling on TV anymore. That was so heartbreaking. Like, it's like, wow, this is over. Yeah, I mean, and there was a tinge of it for like a hot second. In more recent years, when TNA went to Mondays, they brought in Hogan and everything, but it just sucked. It just didn't work. They had so many good guys, and they just didn't yeah, work. Yeah, I mean, AJ Styles. Like, how do you fuck up that guy? Like, AJ Samoa Joe, who I think is fucking money. I w- why don't they bring him up to the main roster? I think they're going to bring him in for the Rumble. This is my dream booking. Uh, they bring in Joe for the Rumble, and I think the... the uh, whatever the SmackDown title match should be, triple threat, AJ, Joe, John Cena. Yeah, I mean... Because uh, Joe and John Cena came up together. They trained, I believe, at least for a while, trained together. And then AJ and Joe obviously have this amazing history. Oh, my God. They're, yeah, I just... I don't want to see him get hurt, and then he can't... Like, I know he's, like, doing good in NXT, but it's just, like, this guy's too good to be in. Not that that's the minor leagues, but, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, I also think they could bring him in as, um, because I think if Roman Reigns was a heel, I think they could have Roman Reigns, the Usos, his two Simone cousins, uh, as, like, his backup, as henchmen, and then Joe is, like, the Arn Anderson enforcer type and have them be the new Simone SWAT team. Now, why do you think Roman Reigns has never... I just can't get into him, and I, I don't know why. Like, he's got a great look. His, uh, you know, his wrestling's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he hits good moves. He hits that big, uh, that razor's edge, sit the sitting razor's yeah. edge thing. He hits good moves. I just think he's not relatable like other big faces were. Austin was uh, a blue-collar dude. Cena got his ass kicked. Right. Like people forget how many times, you know, JBL killed Cena. Like Cena was covered in blood so many times in all these feuds. Or Cena would get his ass kicked. The best Roman Reigns has ever been is when Brock Lesnar is beating the shit out of him and dumping on his fucking head and he's getting up. Roman Reigns is likable when somebody's killing him. Do you think his lack of mic skills has, because uh, he's 100%. He's pretty bad. Awful. I don't think he should talk at all. Or if he does, it should be one. Believe that or whatever. Goldberg didn't need to fucking talk. Well, Goldberg, that first run with him was like. Perfect. That might be the best character WCW. Oh, without a doubt. You know, just an unbeatable. Yeah, but then he didn't talk. And that's he didn't talk. So you were interested when he said something. Right. Roman Reigns. Who the fuck cares? Yeah, speaks. my fear is it might be too late. Like it's like he's already. What has he been a couple years now? And it's like I think they could revamp him slowly. They don't have to do it overnight. I think they could slowly have him talk a little less. Maybe change his move set a little. I don't like that both his signature and fan, or now I'm talking in video games. I, I don't like it. that he does the punch and the spear. Right, because they're two. They're both run at the guy and hit him moves. I think he should do one or the other. 
No, I don't like the spear because it just to me that that'll always be Goldberg's move. Yeah, not that I a agree. spear is. I mean, I guess it's a pretty basic move, but like. Yeah, and then you see, I had so many Edge used it, Rhino used it. It just it lacks the um, the it it's not you would you're ne- it's never going to be his move, right? Um, now speaking of Goldberg, uh, a lot of people had uh, different thoughts on his battle with Lesnar. Like I thought it worked because no one saw it coming. I agree. I was mad as shit because I love Lesnar. I could fucking watch him do anything. He's amazing. Uh, he's just he's a throwback human. <laughs> I don't he, even know if he's human. Well, yeah, he's he's just he's a different species. I mean, um, I saw him work a house show out here at the forum, and uh, they had him up against uh, Del Rio, uh-huh. who's a pretty big guy. Yeah, like, uh, and he did five suplexes on him that were like like they were nothing. Yeah, and then Rusev came down, and he put Rusev like two or three suplexes like that. To see it live and up close was just the most. Uh, amazing physical things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, one of the most amazing things I saw Sarah Del Rey. Uh, you, are you familiar with Sarah Del Rey? Mm-mm. She trains the girls now. She's Cesaro's girlfriend. Okay. In but real she, life? Yeah, in real life. Uh, she's not. She's never been on TV. She was like the, the baddest bitch on the indies. Uh, not too tall, wide hips, decent looking, but just a fucking machine. A kind of Ronda Rousey body. Okay. And I saw her overhead German awesome Kong. Oh, I love Awesome Kong. But I mean, Awesome Kong looked twice the size of her, and she launched Awesome Kong across the ring with this, like, just popped her hips and threw her. That's crazy. So people forget how good a super suplex can look. Where is Awesome Kong? I don't know. I think um, she got pregnant. That was years ago. She's she was really on, frightening. Yeah. That's she was in guy. WWE. She got pregnant, did not have the kid. Oh. I believe lost it at the end. Oh, that's all right. Which is very unfortunate. Uh, and then I think was in TNA again for a few minutes, but I don't know what she's doing. That's too bad she never really got a proper run. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think she could have done really cool stuff. Now they have this new, they have the, the Samoan girl on the roster, but she's she doesn't do it for me. I just can't get into the women's matches. They're great athletes. I tell you, I was at NXT Brooklyn when I was uh, Charlotte and Bailey. Not Charlotte, excuse me, Bailey and Sasha Banks. That was fucking amazing. Yeah, I didn't see it. But the crowd was on. I mean, it was the 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 most excited I've ever seen a crowd for wrestling. That's great because I want to like women's wrestling. I just uh, it's too. It almost looks like a choreographed Mortal Kombat. Like, yeah, I know how you feel. You know, and they're great athletes. I you know I'm not a woman hater. Yeah, no. The, what I liked about Sasha and Bailey, I said at the Barclays Center. So they, uh, I think whoever's training them. And I think Sarah Del Rey, who trains them, has a lot to do with this. Uh, gave them the idea of you need to uh, make this look more competitive. Right. So they worked each other's hands. Like uh, they were kicking each other in the fingers so they couldn't get holds on each other. Oh, okay. So like instead of breaking out of their submission, you know, she was stomping on the girl's hand. So not only that she couldn't break it, so right. she couldn't get it on again. Jesus. So it was like, oh, wow, yeah, this is like a competitive thing. Okay. Well, I'll have to give it a second look. I just. Yeah, I would watch. I would watch Sasha Banks versus Bailey from NXT Brooklyn. I mean, I just, I'm so turned off by the current product overall. It's, you know, I tried to watch a SmackDown the other night with, uh, was it Orton against. Uh, oh, Orton, I can't fucking deal with. It's the same moves. It's And he's great and all. He's but, talented, but it's just, I've seen it. 
Yeah, it was Orton against uh, Ambrose. Yeah. And uh, the Wyatts were on the outside. <laughs> you know, I just watched the other day. Uh, I was watching indie shit, and I, I, I read about a stable that I'd never heard of. And it was uh, NJ, it was New Jersey, uh, Jersey All Pro Wrestling. And they had a stable. Do uh, you remember Trevor Murdoch? Oh, yeah. So it's Trevor Murdoch, the Necro Butcher again, the Briscoes, and uh, Luke Harper from the Wyatts. I love him. Amazing. I saw... I saw him and Necro Butcher in a Ring of Honor match. They were amazing. So at the time, it was Brody Lee. They were the Hellbilly, the Hillbilly Wrecking Crew, right? They come out, and it was Homicide and a bunch of other, like, Puerto Rican and black wrestlers. <laughs> they come out, stomp them out, put a fucking Confederate flag across their bodies. Oh, Jesus. And then cut a promo that was just racism. And I was like, and I was like, when the fuck is this from? And it's like, oh, like, fucking mid-2000s. That's yeah. I mean, that's because now in wrestling, they uh, I think for the most part, they try and avoid the racism. Uh, well, I think they just gotten called out on it so many times. I mean, fucking Michael Hayes, for Christ's sake. Yeah. I mean, he was uh, didn't he call Mark Henry the, uh, the yeah. dirty word? Yeah, he did. <laughs> Which is crazy because if you're going to call someone, the, well, you shouldn't call anyone the N word. Yeah. It's a horrible word. Uh, but especially not Mark Henry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Mark Henry, for those of you uh, not knowing who we're talking about, is an incredibly large black dude. <laughs> Literally is the world's strongest man, or yeah. was at one point. Yeah, has won multiple world's strongest man competitions. Uh, Olympic weightlifter. That would be, uh, yeah. I, I mean, that's, uh, well, I guess you could run from him. He can't be that fast. Neither can my, Have you ever seen Michael Hayes' Freebird Road? No. Michael Hayes did a music video of like his tribute to Terry Gordy oh. where it's him drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels at Terry Gordy's grave singing. It is so watchable. It's geez. You, you feel so bad for these guys. Like. Because I mean, anybody, not only do you have like your body's beaten up, you've been through addictions. You have to assume all your friends are dead. Yeah. And you have no, even money. if you met, yeah, you're broke. Even if you made it to 60 something, if you're a wrestler, all your friends are dead. Yeah, for the most part, uh, like when I used to co-host with Piper, you know, every person we talk about was dead. Was I mean, he cool? I've heard nothing, but Ari said he was great. Was Piper cool? He was amazing. I mean, I cried more, you know, on the day he died, he was supposed to come over here. And, uh, you know, the guy called me and said, he's not coming over. And I'm like, I'm so naive. I'm like, oh, why not? Is he late? And he's like, uh, just pick up watch the news and uh he was amazing he'd come to the comedy store and uh we'd put him up on stage and you know he, he wouldn't really tell jokes we would, could tell stories and then uh he'd kind of want questions to keep him going because he, he would run out of steam after about 10 15 minutes and uh we would just yell out the most absurd questions you know usually i would lead the way and say hey how big was uh, kamala's dick and he would have a story about it and then you know, he was just amazing and he was like a superhero like we were all starstruck that wow one of our heroes is he's here i just did a um i i uh i did a thing with with uh jake oh wow uh i was doing a comic because i i make i said i make horror movies with a company called trauma they make like low budget horror movies and i was going out to this comic book convention with them because we have a movie coming out and uh I said to the guy running, hey, I'm going to be here for the whole weekend. If you need me to host anything or or anything, put me up because I, I want to work. He goes, yeah, do you want to moderate Jake the Snake's Q&A? Oh my and I was like, fuck yeah. I couldn't be more excited. So uh, I get that. I I guess Jake did not want a moderator. Oh, he wanted really? to just do his thing. 
And I, I know he does the one man show spoken word at comedy clubs kind of thing. But uh, so it's a fucking comic book convention in a hockey arena in Elmira, New York. Oh, home the of the au- jackals. Yeah. The audience is nothing but morbidly obese people, children and autistic people. And yes, I know which two of those I already am. <laughs> but uh, no matter what the question was, Jake found a way to just take it back to what he was going to talk about anyway. Right. So it's just like some little kid like, did the snake ever bite anybody? And he's like, my father was a pedophile. Oh, Jesus. And he's just, and the two things they tell me as I'm going up, they're like, all right, keep it 45 minutes and it's got to be light. Just keep it light. Keep it moving. Keep it happy. And Jake's literally going, I'd hold my daughter on my lap till she was 19 years of age for fear that I would be sexually aroused by her. Oh my God. Right. It's awful. And now he won't let me call on people. He's calling on people. So I'm just sitting next to a man on a stage while he tells his sad life story. And uh, at one point, he's t- talking about living with DDP. He's like, oh, we're at Dallas's house. And Scott Hall and I are face to face about to come to blows. And I went, oh, did he throw his toothpick in your face? I thinking like, oh, that's right. a fucking great reference. And he goes, what? And I was like, did he? he throws toothpick in your face he goes no and just keeps got like blows through me hates me then he goes on a 10 minute rant about how much he hates vader oh really because i guess vader broke his sternum twice vader's a strong fucking guy yeah vader's i love i'm obsessed with vader uh another thing you should watch is vader and scott steiner in uh jcw the insane clown posse wrestling faced two jobbers and just murdered these two kids i love that but anyway so he's rant how he hates vader unprofessional he's a piece of shit and while he's doing this the people running the convention give me the you know time's up signal and he keeps going and the cast of aqua teen hunger force is waiting to come out and they're like everybody's waiting jake won't shut up and they give me the you know gotta wrap them up wrap them up i'm just like all right guys jake can only do another question or two then he's got to head out and he goes how about it's over when i say it's over vader and i was like oh no but like 10 percent of me was like badass he just called me vader you do kind of look like vader like, i have the if, belt if you like I don't know what was vader bald vader had like the little mohawk that went through the mask right I could see that. And then, uh, so then I'm terrified. So then I turned it because I've heard Vader smells. And I was like, well, Jesus, I hope I don't smell like Vader. And he goes, you know, Leon, holy shit. And slaps me on the back. Right. And then I'm like, okay, I want him over. Right. So I had the thing ends. He gets up and I shake his hand. I was like, Jake, thank you so much. You know, an honor to sit here with you for an hour. And he goes, no, thank you. Well, he didn't really fucking do anything and walks away from me. <laughs> Would you, was he, would you, in your opinion, do you think he was uh, sober? Yes, 100%. Okay. Which might have been why he was not pleasant. Because I saw that documentary on, on Netflix. Uh, it, that, was, that was rough, being yeah, a Yeah, his whole, I mean, of the 45 to an hour he did, I would say half of it was sobriety talk and right. yoga and all that shit. How did he look physically? Good. He was thin. Thin um, and uh, walking good. Because there was that other documentary, I think it was Beyond the Mat. Oh, yeah. That's rough. He was uh, like trying to get paid in meth or speed or something. And uh, I was like, Jesus, you know, I don't want to meet any of these guys. Yeah, no, it's definitely made me afraid to meet some of the other uh, older guys. But then you meet someone like Piper and uh, he, he was couldn't have been any nicer. And he brought like Hacksaw Jim Duggan up at the store. Oh, that's awesome. 
and uh, Sergeant Slaughter. And to like be doing stand up in front of Sergeant Slaughter was like most mind blowing. Like, it's like this is like insane. So uh, it was good to meet some of them. But uh, now you did something called a naked roast. Yeah, we did it at a Skank Fest. Uh, Legion of Skanks did a festival in New York. So was it a roast battle, but everyone was naked? Yeah, and the judges too. Uh, I have to hear about this. So the Naked Show is a thing they do at the Creek in the Cave in New York City. I've done it. It's really fun. A uh, girl named Allison Clem hosts it now. It used to be hosted by Caitlin Bailey. Both of them very, very beautiful. And uh, yeah, it's just a naked comedy show. They do it at midnight once a month at the Creek in the Cave. Uh, the audience also has the option of being nude. When I did it, just one guy in the audience got naked which was way worse than an entire audience of naked people. Right. Just one guy. Uh, I had, I loved it. And so at the time when we were putting Skank Fest together, we were joking around about what are like the hot shows in New York City. And at the time, it was Naked Show and Roastmasters. And uh, I believe it was Mike Brancatelli, a very funny comic who does a show called Part of the Problem uh, podcast. He was like, oh, you guys should do Naked Roast Battle. And I was like, I will host that now. Make that happen. And uh, Luis Gomez, who put together Skankfest, was like, yeah, we should totally do that. And we found comics that would do it. Like, Who, who were the comics that I... That were- um, I I'm trying to think if there's anybody you know. Uh, one, uh, Aaliyah Janine used to be a porn star. Okay. Now she does comedy out in uh, New York. She did it. Caitlin Bailey, who used to host The Naked Show, they were the main event. It was mostly, you know, lower level comics. Uh, and then our judges were Mike Lawrence. And he was naked? Uh, he wore a shirt. Okay. Uh, but he was bottomless. Uh, oh, Bron- my God. Bronston Jones and uh, Ari. Well, Ari, I, I've seen Ari getting his dick sucked on stage. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Literally. I, yeah. No, I believe it. it, it I, I mean, I still can't get that visual out of my head. Like, and that's why the comedy store is the best. Like, uh, I think it was Ari and Dan Madonia uh, arguing who had the bigger dick. And there was a porn star, uh, well, I'll say porn actress, star is probably the wrong word. Uh, I said, well, why don't you guys get on stage and I'll suck you off and see who has the bigger dick. <laughs> and she did. It was the most amazing uh, thing I've seen in 16 years of comedy. Just That's brilliant. And Ari couldn't, I don't blame him, but he was, he was maybe having trouble, you know, getting hard and but it was i don't blame him it was yeah like absolutely a, a hundred people and they're watching everyone's taking pictures and she was trying to talk him into it like oh that's okay baby i'm a pro you know and like jerking his dick like a slanky and like uh it was and then she stayed on stage for another 20 minutes and took questions completely naked it was just like i was i was crying i was laughing so hard and then i was like sad for her like wow this girl's <laughs> wh- where did you go left where you should have gone right in life and, uh, but that's but you you don't get that at the comedy store anymore. It's a little more like professionally run. But so yeah, the creek is so crazy. I ended the naked and it was super fun. Everybody had a great time. And then at the end, uh, so I hang out with uh, some sideshow people, like uh, circus performers. Right. And I've hired a few of them when I do uh, road gigs. Sometimes instead of a, a comedy MC, I like to hire a freak show act to perform in between the comics. Uh, it's just like something I've been trying out. And uh, one of them uh, is my buddy Arlo Price. And his he was hosting for me. And his closers, he puts a rat trap off on his tongue. Not a mouse trap, a fucking 
Right. Big honking rat trap. And he did that. I was, I was closing the show. He went back on stage and did the rat trap. And I was upset because it was my show and I wanted to have the last big pop. So I went back on stage and I set it off on my dick. Oh, Jesus, dude. So that's how I closed uh, the naked roast bed. I came back out and I was like, you know, you guys, these comics have sacrificed so much for you tonight, putting it all out there for your entertainment. And I want to prove to you. That tonight is all about you guys seeing everything you could possibly see. And I fucking closed off a rat trap with my dick. It was the loudest I've ever heard a room get. Which makes it all worth it. Oh, it was so fun. And it's not that bad. It's a circus trick. If you catch it on the right part, you're not going to fucking kill yourself. You're not going to rip circus your dick off. Circus trick. The first time I did it, it was at a bar. The in- first time? Yeah, I've done, times? I've done that trick like four or five times now on stage. Oh, fuck that. The first time I did it, I was at a bar show in Buffalo, New York, and this little chunky goth girl comes up to me after the show to ask me about it, and she takes me back to her car. Oh, I bet. She starts blowing me, oh, cool. and she just looks up at me. She goes, your dick tastes like blood. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we should probably just fuck then, huh? With no rubber. Oh, yeah. Just get all the diseases in there. Listen, dude, I was in Buffalo, New York doing a bar show. I'm not going to buy a condom. Oh, so you did have sex with a Renault condom. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, come on. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I've never done that, but like, uh, I mean, did the thought of maybe disease come into your head or not really? Not at that point. Okay. 2013. That was 2013. That was a wild year for, for the kid. Good for you, man. I like to see comics. It's not an easy job getting laid sometimes. Yeah, I mean, unless you look like Matt Broussard, you got to yeah, really exactly. work sometimes, it. <laughs> sometimes you really got to work for it. Now, do you find uh, roast battle has affected your comedy? Like I, I find when I'm on stage now, especially when it's at the comedy store, people almost want me to roast them. And, and that's not really my thing. Uh, yeah, I'm a storyteller comic. So it's a weird transition for me. A lot of my bits are like over four to five minutes. Right. Uh, and people do want me to do like more one liner shit. Uh, I have been... Uh, heavily influenced lately. Uh, people told me that I should start taking some, because I always think to myself, "Oh, I did this bit in a row. I did this joke in a row. So I can't reuse it." Right. But there's nothing in my head saying, "Oh, I can't reuse that in my act," because right. it's my joke. I wrote it. Uh, so now I'm slowly starting to incorporate some of my older roast jokes and incorporate them into my act, like using them right. as punches in my stories. Now, do you? Uh, when do you go back to New York? I am leaving uh, tomorrow morning. So today's Thursday, Friday morning. And uh, what's going on when you go back there? Is just more stand-up shows? More or? stand-up. I'm bad. I'm, I have the uh, the belt right now, the Roastmasters title. Uh, so I'm defending my belt on uh, February whew, it's the 6th or 7th, whatever the Tuesday is, uh, February 6th or 7th against Eli Sayers, who's very, very funny. Uh, he was on the New York Regionals episode. He's going to be my first challenger. For my uh my title, I don't want to give it up. I want that belt. I know it's. I mean, uh, the the belt out here, everyone wants. It. Yeah, that like, cha- that uh that uh championship. But the first day I had it, uh, my girlfriend came home because I uh, I stay up all night and she works in the morning. And she came home from work and she found me asleep with it. I had it on the pillow next to me. I like went to bed with the belt. Yeah, it's a big deal. Like, you know, like Alex Hooper's the champ out here, and like we all want to beat him, and like he beats. He, he, beats everyone for the most part and uh i don't think people realize how important the title is oh yeah it feels i just i love having it like i brought it out here just in case they told me to have it for the taping right uh they wound up not wanting it but uh i take it everywhere with me 
Yeah, and uh, like, do you get uh, everyone challenging you now? Yeah, everybody. I think wants. Uh, I mean, I think everybody wants that belt. Uh, I think they're gonna do. They're gonna start doing number one contendership matches. Uh, so people, if they have enough wins, can challenge each other to a number one contendership. Okay, and then they'll face me. Cause like out here we have a ranking system. Yeah, I think there's like 50 of us ranked, so it's pretty much you know based on that. You know, uh, do you guys have a ranking system in New York? Uh, no, we do have the wins and losses like written down, but um, I don't think we have an exact ranking system. And then, uh, so now I've lost twice. I've lost to Broussard and I lost to uh, JP McDade the first time we battled. And he's great. And he's phenomenal, an incredible writer, a really nice guy. He, I believe, is going to be in the first number one contender. The the upcoming number one contendership, I believe, is going to be him and uh, uh, possibly Scott Chaplin. Who was, uh, I thought, did great in his match against Hooper. But, yeah. like, uh, Hooper, uh, you know, it was almost like Scott wasn't battling Hooper. He was, like, this almost a pro wrestler. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, but, you know, he, he hung in there, and I told him after, you know, you stayed in the pocket, and you kept throwing, so. Yeah, and he played to his strengths. Like, he went down swinging, and he was 100% himself, which I think is the most important thing on that show. Yeah, I mean, and everyone loses in this. Uh, th that's what I love about it is like there's no one that's undefeated. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I lost to a girl who'd never done it before, you know. Um, so, and then, you know, Matt Broussard's lost. Uh, Jimmy Carr's lost, you know. So it's like, that's what I love about it. Like, you can lose any match if you don't prepare. And yeah, or if they just, if they catch you. If they catch you with a good rebuttal, it can turn the entire crowd around you know yeah like one great line no matter how good you do there's knockout shots that you're never gonna come back from especially in a one round uh tournament yes uh, for like sarah tiana got me on the first joke uh in montreal and she's awesome and i love her but i was just it's hard to play catch up in, in a one round 100 percent, yeah but in three rounds like i've seen guys bomb in the first round or girls and they win because they just, you know. Yeah, that's how it went with me and Christy. The, I lost my first round. My first time I battled Christy, I got beat pretty good in the first round, and I just hung in there. She's, you know, she's winning more now, but, like, I would pay to watch her lose. Like, she's so fun to watch and so likable. Yeah, and she takes it so well, and yeah. she reacts. Like, I think uh, one thing Lawrence told us um, that I, I, I take to heart a lot now is he said to me something like, he goes, you don't react to the other person's jokes. And that's a big problem. And I was, I didn't think of it at the time, but the more you sell it, like you sell their joke, if you, you know, oh, yeah. have fun with it, then the crowd likes you more. Then it's a more fun battle. And it gives the impression that, you know, it is important for people, I think, to know that we all do like each other and that we're all having fun up there. Um, it's the same as, you know, why is it more fun to watch Cactus Jack and Terry Funk? Because, you know, they love each other yeah. and they're punching each other in the fucking face. Oh, yeah. I so mean, it's so much more fun when you can tell people really like each other. I mean, I won't battle with someone I don't like. Yeah. It's, then it's just shitting on someone. And yeah. It's like, if you're going to make jokes about, uh, you know, I don't know, my parents dying two months apart, I better fucking love you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I completely agree. Yeah. And I love that we've built like this community in New York. Like these are guys, not guys like Evan Williams is not somebody I necessarily would have hung out with all the time. Right. And now we're good friends because we battled and you know, we developed a, this relationship. I mean, I judged his battle with Christy, and uh, it was awesome. Like, oh yeah, it was very funny. You could tell that they love each other, but they're just saying the meanest things. And uh, you know, I love Rich Voss so much, and the judge with him was like, he's just whispering things into my ear the whole time. Oh, he's so fucking funny. He's so criminally underrated as a naturally funny person. 
I just like him as a person. Yeah. Like, and which makes me think he's even funnier. Like he's just a good guy. So yeah, I do love the community. And I think New York and LA, you know, we're family. Like everyone's cool with yeah, each I mean, other. Yeah. When I came out here, everybody's been so nice to me. All the regular yeah. store battlers have come up and talked to me and, been very very complimentive and and you know invited me out here again and i've been trying to get me shows and shit everybody's been so fucking nice so yeah. it felt like just like it felt like you meeting the side of the family you never met yet yeah i mean it's uh like when i went to new york it's like oh they're not gonna i'm an la battler they'll probably be dicky to me and everyone was cool except for one black guy i judged he got really uh he was reading from his phone the whole time it was just like a major like I hate, like, I think you should memorize five jokes. Yes. Uh, it's not that hard. And uh, he, he was like, well, fuck you, man. I'm like, oh, well, sorry, dude. You know, it was a good battle, but I, I give it to the other guy because you were reading from your notes. And he got really pissed. I don't know his name, but like, it was like, oh, man. Sorry, dude. People wonder, uh, it's fine. What do you think about this? People, I, I'll see tweets and shit, and I've heard other shit. Why do you think, um, there's not a lot of black guys that do well as far as uh, the battles. You know, I think the stereotypes are so, uh, they're such big targets. Uh, you know, like out here, uh, um, there's a couple funny black battlers, but, uh, you know, the slave jokes, the, you know, uh, it depend, depending on what they look like. Uh, we have one battler out here who's great. His name's Albert, uh, and he writes for WWE. And uh, he's great. He, you know, he he's black, but he looks uh, he's dark skinned, but he looks white. Uh, like, and so they bring him out to the Carlton dance, uh, and uh, so he embraces the stereotypes. I think a lot of them don't embrace, like, they don't prepare for the the slave jokes that are coming, or you know, uh, I don't know. That's that's a good. Uh, I don't know why there aren't more great black battlers. Because I, I feel uh, uh, personally, what I've seen, what at the battles at the stand and at uh, they, they also do one at New York Comedy Club. Uh, I feel that um, a lot of black guys try to uh, uh, improv a little too much. Absolutely. They right. they I think they try to uh, go off the dome a little too much because that's a big thing I've got for my viral video because my first battle I didn't know to memorize. So I have the paper in my hand. Oh, that's all good. I mean, uh, and I'll get a, I'll get, I'll still get tweets and comments and shit from people that watch the video and be like, yo man, you know, roast supposed to be off the dome piece, son. You can't be going up there with your jokes written. And I, I feel like that sometimes a lot of black comics, they take a pride in being very right. quick off, off, off the top of their head. And that kind of fucks them because they don't put enough preparation into it. Yeah, you have to prepare. Like, uh, there's one. A joke about somebody's shoes is never going to be as funny as a joke about somebody's dead family member. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's one battler out here who, who's probably the only one who can go off the dome, and it's George Perez. And uh, he could come in here right now and roast both of us with, like, he's just amazing. I can't do it that way. Uh, I mean, I probably over prepare and write hundreds of jokes and most of them are horrible, but you know, yeah, I have a difference. I do. Um, I'll, I'll write almost just a few more than I need, but then I spend a lot of time workshopping them. Right. So like I know Michael write a fucking hundred jokes. All good. I'll write 10, but I'll spend days working on those 10 where I take words out, put words in, right. change it up, say them out loud. 
like uh, see if I can add something like alliteration or an extra tag. Like to me, it's all about workshopping the ones you love as opposed to writing a shitload. But that's everybody's different. Oh, yeah. And that's another great thing about the show is like there's no right or wrong way to do it. Uh, You know, me personally, I write more rebuttals than I do jokes. Like if I were ever to roast you, I I wouldn't really write jokes about you. I'd be like, what's he going to say about me? And then which some people think is cheating, like using rebuttals as an actual joke. But, you know. Yeah, but everybody has a style. Yeah, because I'm not a great joke writer. So I, I figure I know where I'm going to get hit in most battles. Yeah, and, and then when you do a good rebuttal, not only do you get the laugh, but you own what they said. Yeah. And it takes the sting out of their joke. Yeah, it's a twofer. So, uh, I mean, like Mike Lawrence's jokes are like amazing. And like I remember in Montreal the first day, he was like, hey, let me go over your jokes with you against Tom Ballard. And and Tom Ballard's like amazing. Uh, a lot of people thought he beat Jimmy Carr in the – on televised season we did mm. and uh mike loved my first joke and then the next 10 he was like are you sure about those <laughs> like uh yeah i was he's brutal man so uh if you're gonna go over jokes with mike lawrence be prepared to have me. your fucking feelings hurt yeah. oh my god it's like this is the first day i'm nervous but i'm happy to be in montreal and i'm like in, on a such a high and then he's like when he said are you sure about those i'm like oh uh, yeah i guess so yeah he's a legend and uh how was your battle with him like super fun uh it was good because he knew he was leaving for here for la um i was i mean he hadn't battled since he did the tournament so i took it as a huge sign of respect and i really appreciated that he would battle me uh it was a ton of fun people had a blast i think people were excited to see us because that was right after i had won the new york belt and so it was like a champions versus champion kind of thing People were super, I mean, the room was fucking electric and it was really, really fun. Now, were there other battles that night? Yeah, there was uh, four undercards. And uh, how how did those go? Uh, they went good. They got progressively better. Right. Um, I think maybe the one before us or the one before us were two girls that, um, that bombed their tits off. Because they'd never done it before? Yeah, I want to say. Do you find that happens a lot where like people look at your YouTube video with like 3 million views and go, oh, I want to do this now? I get a lot of people that come up to me. At, at the battle and they're like this is their first battle and they come up to me and they're like i watched your your youtube video and like i want to do that and that's why you know i do that and uh some people get it some people don't um i think the most important thing is if you bomb your first one to do it again as soon as possible absolutely because uh, then it takes the stink off of it yeah i mean i tell people all the time we have a bad battle out here just ask moses right now for another battle so yeah because uh, at the end of the day i think uh at least in LA, like if the battle's good, people half the time don't remember ten minutes later who won. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. You know, as long as it's a good battle, people are like don't. I don't. I don't think they care who wins. Uh, they just want a good show. Yeah, they just want to be entertained. But a bad battle, they'll remember for six months. Yeah. Uh, and I can imagine in New York, a bad battle's remembered harsher than it probably is out here. Yeah, I think we're uh, we're pretty competitive. We do take it pretty. Uh, you were right before when you said we are we are pretty serious about it. We uh we take a lot of pride in it having the best joke or having the moment of the night or whatever. Oh yeah, and we we do out here too. I I think because uh, we all know each other so well. You know, we're all friends, so it might be a little friendlier of an environment. There's not too many mean spirited battles. Uh, yeah, I can't say that there's been too many, and I I can think of one or two that I've seen. Uh, saw one guy run out of the room crying. Really. Which was pretty brutal, but he came back and battled again. He did okay uh, another day, but uh, 
Yeah, I think one or two or times people have asked to have the because we tape all ours. We're actually not doing that anymore. We're just going to put the only two battles that are going to go up are going to be whatever the main event was. And they're going to pick the best of the three undercards. OK. And that's going to be what goes on YouTube now. But um, a few people that had asked to have their battles taken off because they thought something was too personal. That was said, which I, I completely disagree with. But well, you know what you're signing up yeah. for when you. uh yeah, I agree. I think if something's going to hurt your feelings that bad and it's not your friend that you can have a rapport with to see right. how it's going to be handled, you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, because it is, uh, you, you know, if you're battling someone good, no stone will be left unturned. Yeah, absolutely. It's like when Mike Lawrence went against Ralphie. Uh-huh. You know, it was like Ralphie, uh, who's an amazing comic and just an amazing dude. He probably should have been a little more prepared for, you know, maybe divorce jokes and stuff like that. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. That was pretty. That last shot of his face when the sirens are going off and he just looks fucking flabbergasted. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, to be in the room too, it's like, man, this is tough. Yeah, I was with Mike when he wrote those. <laughs> uh, we were at, we, I was, or when he was in the process of workshopping them. Right. Uh, me, Mike, and a few other comics were all sitting together and uh, fuck that fucking, uh, <laughs> the hardest part of Ralphie's divorce is getting the ring off his finger is such a perfect line. Yeah. It's like, there's no rebuttal. Like there, Mike's jokes are, you know, he leaves you almost nothing to yeah. hit, hit back on. And like the joke he did about your wife left you, uh, you lost to that fan on last comic standing, all that. I'm, I'm only making fun of your weight. Cause the only thing you've never lost, <laughs> that's brutal. Your wife left you six months ago and got half. If she would have waited another two months, she would have gotten everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God. That's like a fat joke and a divorce joke. Yeah. Like, so, and Ralphie's great, but he just. Uh, yeah, those multi-layered ones are real motherfuckers. Like the, the, when it diverges and you think it's a joke about one thing. Yeah. Like my favorite thing I ever wrote, I wrote on the, when we roasted uh, Big J Okerson, I wrote a set for his ex, for his, his at the time, current wife. Uh, they were going through a divorce. And uh, there's a real story. Jay's wife caught him and he's told this on the air. She found a phone number in his wallet. And that was like one of the the big fights they ever had. So I wrote this joke for her. That was uh, uh, one time I found a phone number in Jay's wallet. It was and I just made up a number, but it was, right. you know, it was two, one, two, two, one, three, four, one, two, two. Uh, but it wasn't a phone number. It was a ranking of how hot the last 10 girls he cheated on me with were. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, you know. That's, but you know, Jay signed up for the roast. Yeah. So, but it was a three. So it was a real thing. Right. It was a Jay cheats joke. And then it turns into a Jay fucks ugly chicks joke. And did he end up divorcing this? Uh, yeah. No, Jay's with uh, his, his current. I love her. For a long, yeah. Christine's wonderful. Uh, and, and by the way, his, his ex is wonderful too. Uh, but I, I actually thought it was really cool that she came and did his roast. Yeah. Like while they were, you know, splitting up, it was really funny. I can imagine. And she was a surprise. Like she didn't, she wasn't on the dais. They announced her from the back of the room. Oh, I love those surprises. It was really funny. Um, I mean, Big J is the best. Oh, it was my, the first person I ever did a show with. Oh, really? Yeah. I did a comedy class and uh, the, uh, the final, it was for uh, when I went to NYU and the final was either a paper or five minutes at Eastfield comedy club. And uh, they let me, they let me go right before Big J. And that was the first night I met Big J and Big J's manager at the time said, would you actually like to do comedy? And he gave me a job at a CB's comedy club as a doorman. That's how I got in. 
And like, did you just start with open mics and, and yeah, I started doing open mics. And then, uh, it's funny. My first ever open mic was at the cake shop. And, uh, it was the night I met Mike Lawrence, Dan St. Germain, Jared Logan, all these people that wound up doing so well. Uh, literally my first conversation with Mike Lawrence, I've been friends with him since then. Um, yeah. And then I started working the door at CBs and, uh, eating checks, uh, for like, uh, probably about a year and a half, two years. I did check spots. And that's how I, I, I did more check spots than I did open mics. Now check spots for you guys, not familiar are the worst spots to get. Cause yeah. you know, you're, you're on stage. It's pretty late usually. And the audience is getting their bills. So they're not really listening to you. Yeah. And, they're mis- they, they hate you. And then when they get their check, they're trying to figure out who owes what, and you know, do we tip? And like, so you're, you're talking to a crowd, but they ain't listening. Yes. Or sometimes even I, there's a fucking hell room in New York City called LOL Comedy Club. It's a tourist trap of tours. I mean, every shitty thing you hear about like Barkers and shit, you know, we have Dave Chappelle tonight. We have Eddie Murray. That's that room. Right. And I had to eat checks there for a while. And not only was the crowd miserable because they thought, you know, Tina Fey and the cast of Family Guy was the fucking acts they were going to see. Then the fucking drinks were astronomical. You know, everybody's bill would be like $75 a person right. or something ridiculous. So I would be on stage and I would go to do my first joke and people would just be yelling their bills at me. Oh, really? $78, like just screaming whatever they had to pay. And was you know. this a white or black? I mean, was it uh It was mixed. mixed. The late show would always be mostly black. Which can be tough for a white comic. Yes. You know, it, it's... Uh, yeah, it was... A, it, it, there were a few scary hood situations. Really? Yeah, I got... I, I quit that club because a lady got on stage and tried to punch me. And uh, they gave her free tickets and apologized for my act. Were you uh, being antagonistic? Not at all. No, not at all. I was doing a story about my life. And um, oh, I think I might have done a bit. She was Spanish. And I did a bit about, I used to, uh, for a little while I was dating this, uh, Spanish like witch, like, uh, you know, did like all the fucking goofy, yeah, all that goofy shit, uh, Santeria. And I was doing a bit about that and, uh, some, the punchline was something about, you know, coming in a Puerto Rican chick is the same as cursing, getting cursed by a witch kind of thing. Right. It was a dumb joke and she like was very offended. And yeah, she constantly tried to punch me. And then I just remember the manager giving her free tickets and apologizing for my act. And I said, I'm never, I'm never going to work here again. It, I'll never, I, I, they, they've never stopped emailing me for avails and I've never responded. <laughs> now, uh, when did you first start getting hope in comedy? Like, Hey, I'm good enough to do this. Like a couple years into doing it. Yeah. It definitely took me a lot longer than a lot of other people. Um, I luckily had a friend base pretty quickly. Um, I'm meeting, uh, Jay and Lewis Gomez and Dave Smith, the Legion of Skanks guys. <clears throat> so I pretty much stayed in to be around them, even when it was really tough. And right when I start, uh, Lewis and I do a podcast called the real ass podcast. When we started that is when I started to kind of get more hope, right? Because then I started slowly building a fan base and getting people out. Like people would say, Oh, I listen to the podcast that shows, uh, that's when I started to get hope. Like that's because for me, what I do, I'm very dark, I'm very dirty and I'm long form. So I know I'm not for everybody. And I know when I do a a showcase show, I'm not going to be everybody in the room's thing. But I also know that the people that do like what I do are going to really like it. 
And I rather build that fan base one or two people at a time than to try to appeal to everybody. Right. Because that's just not who I am and I want to be true to myself. So, uh, yeah, slowly getting those people together and now with the podcast and then especially with my having the viral video and getting to do Roastmasters more, slowly just building fan base. Sure. You know, having people buy tickets to see me for the first time is so encouraging. And now with Roast Battle airing, uh, it'll really... Uh, yeah, hopefully that'll spike my numbers a little. Oh, it will, for sure. I mean, it's done wonders for me. So thank you, Jeff Ross. Yeah, I'll, I can't thank Jeff enough. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's given us all a second hope at <laughs> yeah. comedy. Because it's, it's a business based on TV credits. Like, if you want good spots. And I mean, I'm assuming it's the same in New York. But out here, it's like, if you're not on TV, you're going to be going on at 1.30 in the morning. Oh, that, yeah, absolutely the same. If that yeah and i just even just the announcement that i was on the show i've already gotten a couple booked a couple road things and a club that was using me prior uh a road uh somewhere not too far from the city but a road gig uh tripled my rate just because i have the credit yeah i mean a comedy central credit it's like their number one show right now it's or it's up there i don't uh it's uh and it, it'll go on for a while i mean i as long as the battles are good i could see this show going What's the dream? To me, the dream is that it does what Last Comic Standing did and takes everybody out on the road. Yeah, I mean, you definitely. Now, if we could bat, imagine like between, you know, eight, 12 of us out on the road and we just switched opponents. Or we could even battle the same people because it's live. Yeah, I mean. The so people could just see us, you know, work on shit. But just imagine like, you know, every night so many battles and we all switch around it would be fucking amazing it would be so much fun oh my I and mean, i think it would sell fucking big tickets oh and you could like you could have la versus new york you could uh have all stars you know uh you know i think it's got a lot of legs yeah i mean because uh what was it yo mama went six seasons and that was pretty uh dumb yeah i mean they weren't stolen jokes but you know i mean yo mama jokes are pretty uh like generic and mm -hmm. so i mean i think these jokes are so original that we do. And because our shit is so personal, where the audience is learning about us. So they like they connect with us more than if we were doing generic material, you know, you look like blank fucked blank. Right. They're actually learning about our lives and like learning about who we are as people. And like I think they get a connection with us more. Yeah, and most of us are likable. I would say. You know. Most of us. Yes. There's a few who aren't. Yes. I won't, I won't say who, but You'll see them on season two of Roast Battle, some of them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I like to get cryptic. In my, you know, I'm not a very shit-talking person. I like to almost throw out these Jake the Snake. There's only one or two people I don't like in this world. And I don't like to directly say it. I like to uh, do like an Ultimate Warrior-style promo of nonsense and, you know, let people figure it out. Yeah. I, you know what? I think if they watch, they can tell. Well, yeah, they'll they'll uh, know the. Uh, you can see through people's bullshit. Oh, you can, and uh, you know you'll see it. Uh, I think when is your uh, battle on Friday night, right? Yeah, yeah. You'll see one of those people on Friday night, and you can f try to figure out who. It's all kinds of karma in this world. <laughs> all kinds of justice. But that's another podcast. So uh, this is the part of the show. First of all, thank you for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, man. Uh, I know that uh, you're a busy dude out here, and you actually took an Uber from the Valley. Uh, so I, you know, I, I've always wanted to have you on. And uh, I was like, I uh, don't do mobile podcasts, so uh, 
I lose a lot of guests because they have to come here, which is probably why Gene Simmons uh, might not ever appear on this. I don't imagine Gene Simmons coming to my house, but it's possible. He came to our our uh, studio. Was at one of our houses, and he came. I mean, I, I hold out hope. I see his son, Nick, at the gym every day. Yeah. And I, hey, if you would like to have Gene come on and not talk about anything interesting and just plug his fucking casino for an hour and a half, you you live that dream. But I would go deep with him because I'm such a Kiss fan. Like, I'm a huge Kiss fan. Like, And I like Kiss more in the 80s than I do the classic Kiss, which is sacrilegious to say to most kiss fans are like you like it when vinnie vincent was in the band i'm like yeah lick it up this is great so i would hit gene with those questions and i asked him about playing a hermaphrodite trying to kill john stamos yeah and what was that trick or treat or no what no that was another one i'm gonna fuck up the name but he was impressed i do he was impressed i do the, the 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 weird movies he was in yeah because he's uh he was also i think in george clooney's first movie red surf mm-hmm uh, where he played like a uh, like a Yoda, <laughs> it just didn't work. But like, I think he would love questions about Red Surf and yeah. My I didn't know a shit ton about Kiss, but uh, I'm, I'm more of like a punk and, and new wave kind right. of dude. Uh, but my uh, my my good buddy Blade, who's a wrestler uh, on the Indies in the Midwest, he's actually a man. He had to retire because of concussions. He's a manager named the Midnight Rose. You would love his gimmick. So he's a uh, wears a suit with like a flower luchador mask and he only speaks in uh the uh the tv edit lines from scarface oh i love it so be like how'd you get that scar eating pineapple i love it he's fuck he's so fucking funny and he manages a guy named mr fitness who's a fat guy not a fat guy but he's, he's an out of shape dude and his weapon is the the shake weight oh my god that's so they hilarious. hit people with the shake oh it's fun that was a great gimmick I mean, that's why I love the Indies. You, they, they just put so much more effort into yeah. it. Like out here, we have PWG. Uh huh. I would. Uh, oh, I want to see PWG so bad. I, I've done Ring of Honor. I've done Evolve. I'm going to House of Hardcore when I get back. Um, I haven't PWG. I fucking love. I've never been because it's I. I never can get it. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it sells out in like a minute, right? And they, uh, you have to wait in line for like seven hours, and then I, I'm the. I'm the worst. Like, I just want to sit down and go in. But uh, I used to go to XPW shows out here, which was beyond hardcore. Like, oh, I'm 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 very familiar with Homeless Jimmy. Yeah. He, oh, he was great. And uh, you had uh, Vic Grimes, uh, <laughs> who uh, Supreme was. Yes. A man, I saw almost get killed at a. Oh, and um, God damn it! What's who's the uh, the Chaos? John Wayne Gacy? Chaos. No, the John Wayne Gacy guy. Right, Pogo the Clown. Yes, he was amazing. Well, they had some, uh, I mean, there wasn't a lot of technique. No. But they, uh, I went to a match at Birmingham High School, and it was packed, and they had the, the ring announcer was, like, uh, dressed in a Nazi uniform, and he would do the goose step walk to the ring, and uh, Supreme, uh, for some reason, they had uh, one side of the ring, they, it had no ropes. So they had Supreme get up on this, you know, probably 50-foot ladder, and uh, it he it was the ladder was really not working properly, and he fell onto the side of the ring that had no ropes, and he was down for like a half hour because his uh, ribs hit the edge. Jesus, uh, from really high up, and uh, the girl next to me was crying, and I'm like, "What's wrong?" He's like, "That's my husband." Uh, you know, I'm like, "How much does he get paid for this?" Oh, he got two fifty for this show tonight, and it was just like, and then so then they prop him up again. How he got up, I'll never know. They put him on the ladder that's even bigger, 
And the stunt was to tip the ladder over and he was supposed to hit this table full of uh, light bulbs and barbed wire. And so they push him over. He overshoots the table and just hits the concrete. It's just like, man, this is crazy. Yeah, I can't remember. I've done, um, I've done thumbtacks. When I was in my, I, I played a goth band and I used to, I used to go a little wrestling crazy. Uh, so I've done thumbtacks. Those suck dick. They How do you hurt get exact, them out? What? How do you get them out of your, like. Pick them out. Uh, thumbtacks suck. Um, I've done a few big concrete bumps. Uh, I'm covered in like Sabu scars from cutting myself. I have Triple H forehead. Oh, if not you, not really. I when you look deep, I have a, I have a couple real good ones uh, from Scissors. Si- oh fuck. Um, yeah, and I've done that. And then I did a pro wrestling movie called RumbleCon that my friend directed, and we had all indie wrestlers come. And I did like the staple gun and all that shit, which is easy. staples are nothing. Staples, you could do staples. Trust me, fuck it's, that. It's a quick pinch. But uh, the thing that sucked, I took a, I took a big splash on concrete from this guy. His name on the Indies used to be Lucifer Darkside. Now I think it's King Jeter. But at the time he was a he's a four eighty nine black kid, and uh, I said, oh, I want to do because all the indie guys show up to shoot the movie with us, and we're gonna take a montage of us taking moves. And uh, I was in a tag team called Twisted Justice was the, about in the movie. And uh, I was take all, all these moves and uh, we do all these hardcore moves. I go, oh, before I do the hardcore moves, I want to take a splash from him on concrete. And I just remember this guy's 49. He looks, he goes, Are you sure you want to do that? I'm thinking, yeah, because I was like, oh, I, I'm excited to find out what the trick is for the big splash. Right. Like how it's not going to suck. No, it sucked. It was horrible. I thought I shit my pants. Did he buy, like, did, did he not go where he was supposed to or? No, he did it right. It just sucked. It hurt so bad. Like, where did he land? Like, what landed on what? His belly landed on my belly. And that's how it's supposed to be. I guess so. I don't know. He fucking, I don't know what, he was mostly belly. Like, he had tiny legs. He was all midsection. And he just fucking landed on me. And I I really thought I shit. And when he landed on you, does he say, hey, you okay, dude? Yeah. Yeah, right away. He was great. And what did you say? I see. I'm fine. I laughed like that was my reaction was to how bad it hurt was to just laugh because that's like when I when I whenever I do like the weird hardcore wrestling shit when I used to uh, I always just like if something really hurt my my reaction was to laugh. Now did you think of blading or anything for your battle against Matt? No I don't think that's I don't think it would carry over I think I would just look crazy and not funny. Okay. I've thought about doing more like wrestling. I want to incorporate more like entrance stuff in New York. Cause I think we need the theatricality a little bit and especially how well it went over with me and Mike. So right. I think I'm going to encourage people when they battle me to have like an entrance and shit uh, so that we can kind of make it more of a show. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would, when I do the naked roast battle next time, cause I did the rat trap last time, I think I want to do staple gun next time Ooh, and have the judges staple their votes to me. Oh my God. I think that would be really fun. Hey, what? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, if I got to the finale in Montreal, I wanted to come out as Buffalo Bill. Oh, sweet. And, uh, they said, yeah, we'll just blur it out if something pops out. But, uh, unfortunately I didn't get to the, uh, finale. my, I wanted to do, uh, if I made it to the finale of this, I wanted to come from the top like, um, Sandman. Right. Oh. And I wanted to walk through the crowd. That's my favorite. Sam. With a beer and a cigarette. It, well, I, I don't think uh, you could have gotten the rights to uh, Metallica. No, song. I just think I think people would have got it even if it was just like a heavy metal riff. Oh, I love uh, the Sandman was like he was the best. I saw him wrestle. I saw him wrestle an XPW show out here at the uh, 
Olympic Auditorium, which is a pretty big venue. It's now a Korean church, but uh, it was only like a hundred people there. It was like you just felt so. He came out with Major Guns from WCW. Remember that? Big yeah, yeah, yeah. Had, she was in all the um, the the hardcore wrestling. Don't try this at home. Like the backyard wrestling right. videos. Oh, those videos were amazing. Yeah, and then she would like be in between, like pouring water on her tits in between all these like high school kids. Yeah pile drive each other on concrete <laughs> i the, the first run of those backyard videos i don't think i've ever laughed so hard in my life just these fucking hillbillies doing like you know swanton bombs off of a roof and missing and, and setting each other on fire and shit i wish they'd uh well, i guess you could go on youtube and watch that stuff now but it's kind of like the original faces of death you ever watch faces of death oh shit yeah but like the first couple seasons were great and then yeah there's actually a, a, a Mexican version of Faces of Death called Traces of Death that at no point attempts to be a, like, because uh, Faces of Death always has this thing where it's like, well, this is for medical, you know, this is a documentary on death and right. there's the narration. Traces of Death is literally just footage of car accidents and murders set to death metal. Okay. I might be into that. And it's, but it's like exhausting to try and watch. It's, you know, I, I have a pretty weak stomach for the, like, I think I checked out on Faces of Death when they showed how they get fur coats and they, they, like, yeah, yeah. they skinned, uh, like something alive. Was, I can't watch this anymore. But I mean, I can barely watch hardcore matches when the, the blood starts flowing. Some of those Japanese matches are like burning barbed wire. Yeah, my favorite match of all time is Necro Butcher Samoa Joe. And where was that in Japan? No, that was IWAMS. It was right after Necro had won King of the Death match. Joe had just won this big strong style tournament. And they have the, it's my favorite match. There's almost no weapons. The only weapons they use are a chair and the guardrail. But um, it's a fucking barn burner. Like they swing for the fences. Joe kills him. I mean, he exploders him off the apron and doesn't pop him over. So Necro just lands on the top of his head on the floor and leaves his head in blood. Oh, Jesus. And then uh, Joe power bomb. So Joe puts the uh, guardrail in between the second and third and power bombs Necro on it and completely misses, just hits the back of his head on the guardrail. <laughs> I mean, that was like, what was crazy about XPW was like, you know, like they didn't seem like they practiced the moves. It was like almost improv danger wrestling yeah it's just i my only qual like the ccw stuff is like too violent for me now because of like the cinder blocks and shit and it's just like i just want like i'm happy dean ambrose got to the big the big dance right. uh sammy callahan was there for a minute who i love uh but I, I feel like these guys uh i feel like there has to be a conversation at some point where it's like where is this worth what how much we're shortening our careers right yeah for this because like we're not going to make it to wwe if we continue to do this because they don't really wwe they don't really uh do the violent matches uh, no not at all i mean uh unless seth rollins is injuring people yeah why do you think he's so dangerous in the ring i don't think he's dangerous i think that move is unpredictable about how you're gonna land that apron power bomb i mean because that's know, what he got sting with that's what he hurt finn balor with and didn't he hurt one more person with it well he brought uh well he probably did. I, I know he broke Cena's nose with the uh, knee to the face. God, that was fun to watch, though. I mean, Cena's nose. I'll give yeah, Cena yeah. this. That's a tough bastard. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. People don't give Cena credit for some of the beatings he's taken. I mean, to continue the match, to finish the match. With your face fucking askew. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm a big Sting guy, so I was a little 
Yeah. It's like, come on, man. The guy's fucking 56. Yeah, I think they should just retire that, the buckle bomb. I don't think that's, I don't think it's worth the danger because I don't think it looks good. It doesn't look like it hurts that bad. You're landing on padding. Right. Like, uh, nobody thinks those are hard. We've seen George Animal Steel fucking eat them. Yeah. Like, and for the injuries that people are getting to the, to the, how effective it looks, I think Kevin Owens, uh, apron bomb looks a lot better. Right. No, it does. Um, but those moves are scary as shit. The apron moves that everybody's on the Indies now. Cause the, it's, the apron's the hardest part of the ring. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I was just, you know, that's when I checked out though, when they fucked over Sting and just like, there's no way Triple H should have been the guy to. Yeah. That didn't make sense in the, the long run. I don't think it paid off. And also, I don't like the Triple H. And as much as I, I think Triple H has gotten a lot better. I mean, I thought his match with Daniel Bryan was amazing at yeah. WrestleMania 30. But I feel like he's kind of made himself the Attitude Era guy when he never was. Right. Like, he's he, you know, has that image of, you know, him and Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. And it's like, you're not one of those dudes. You never you You, you weren't Bret Hart. You weren't one of these guys that carried the company. No. You're the guy after. Right. When all those guys were out. Um, you know, uh, I think, uh, t- I mean, to me, the most criminally underrated, I think, I think Raven deserves a lot more credit. Yeah, he was great. For what he did for, for us. I mean, he was the top non-NWO heel in WCW forever. Yeah. He was ECW. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the biggest problem when they do all the revisiting ECW shit is Shane Douglas and, he, and Raven don't get the credit as the guys that were the company. I love Shane Douglas. Yeah, because they always say, oh, you know, you had Taz and Sabu and RVD. Those guys wouldn't have been shit if they didn't have yeah. Raven to fucking be the company or Shane Douglas to be the bad guy of the company. And then Steve Carino as well was the bad guy. Yeah. And like, uh, we've, I think they've rewritten ECW history so much that you forget who actually was. When you rewatch the pay-per-views, those were the guys drawing money either because people wanted to see them or they wanted to see them get beat. Yeah. I mean, it's Shane Douglas's promos like incredible. He meant them like, Oh yeah. Like when he's shit talking Ric Flair and like no one's going to shit talk about Ric Flair. Yeah. And, like Shane Douglas was like, this guy's a fucking dick. And, uh, but I think he burned bridges with WWE. Didn't he come into WWE for a second? And yeah, he was in the, um, uh, he had a, a skateboard. It was him and um, Johnny Ace. And it didn't like, I think he shit talked McMahon in real life. And it's yeah. just like, oh, oh, yeah. yeah, he did. Uh, he made poor bit. It's so funny because him and Foley trained together. Right. And you just think about two different paths. Yeah. You know, playing, playing the game right and playing it wrong. Yeah. Cause now he's probably, you know, doing those autograph signings and, you know, that's pretty sad. Uh, and Ric Flair is such a cocksucker about as much. I love Ric Flair. Uh, Cause I know Shane Douglas, I think worked at Walmart for a while. Oh, and really? somebody asked Ric Flair in an interview. Uh, what do you think about what Shane Douglas said to you? And he goes, Oh, you mean the guy that works at Walmart now? Just <laughs> such a cocksucker yeah. about it. The ultimate roast battle. Yeah. Um, what wrestlers do you think would be great at roast battle? Well, they're all dead for the most part. Uh, I mean, let me see. Uh, I mean, The Rock. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, he 
he'd be great. Uh, I mean, I actually did one of my first roast battles was against John Morrison. Oh, cool. Uh, he was a little in over his head, not because it was me, but, you know, I, I told him, hey, you know, it's it's a pretty uh, rabid atmosphere and, like, you know, just be prepared. It's did you like, do a joke about Batista fucking his girlfriend? I did. Yeah, that's my boy, Earl. <laughs> he did a joke about uh, my ex cheating on me. And uh, it went over pretty well. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, well, at least she didn't fuck some guy named the animal. <laughs> his eyes were like, you fucking bastard. <laughs> but, you know, he was a little uh, overwhelmed by Because he was like, Earl, I've been in WrestleMania. I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, yeah, but this ain't WrestleMania, man. It's different. The energy's like... I mean, I can't imagine what 50,000 people is like in an arena. But in the belly room, like when it's packed in there... Uh, uh, it's it's a special energy that it's just unmatched. Uh, even though uh, one girl, uh, we had a situation a couple months ago where a girl wanted to battle in front of Mike Lawrence, and uh, she kind of skipped out on the room and then reported us to the fire marshal. Uh, I think uh, I don't want to say her name, but she might be a New York comic. I think she moved to New York to do comedy. Her last name uh, rhymes with Cable. I don't know her, but I'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you. I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah you of know, course. I don't want to be a online bullying, but uh, I mean, the crowds are in that. The show I did at the stand, the roast battle was a great energy. It was different, but it's, yeah, the stands know. is the same. About probably seats a little less than the belly room uh, stand. I think it's supposed to be an eighty seater. Yeah, but I think they pack a little more in. But it's the same. When that room's full and then when it's hot, there's nothing like it. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was completely uh, full for uh, Christy and Evan's battle. And the judges, you know, were like Big J and uh, who's this short, muscular guy? Aaron Burke. Yeah, I, he's great. he was great. And Rich Voss and, uh, you know, Jeff Ross came in. And Patrick Milligan, I love. Yeah, he's great. He could him. be a wrestling manager. Patrick used to run websites for wrestlers. Oh, really? Uh, he ran thosedamndudleys.com. And uh, he ran out oh, fat chicks with Hardys. Uh, he used to run a website that was just pictures. Fat girls posted of them with the Hardy brothers. And it was like a joke website. It was really funny. Right, well, if you're in New York, go to the stand. Yes. Uh, 20th Mil and third. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Milligan runs it. He's the best. And uh, Zach does a lot of shows there, right? Yes. And uh, any shows coming up? Uh, yeah, I'll just I'll plug my uh, my battle with uh, Eli Sayers. Beginning of February at the stand. I want to say it's either the 6th or the 7th. I apologize for not knowing the exact date. But if you just go to the stand's website, it'll be on there. It'll be free. And uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great battle. Eli's a, a great competitor and a good friend. And uh, where can people find you on uh, like Twitter and Instagram? Uh, follow me Twitter and Instagram. Zach is not funny. You can Snapchat me a picture of your cat at Zach Amico. And uh, listen to the Real Ass Podcast every single week. Me, myself, uh, it's myself, Louis J. Gomez, and Chris Tinkle. Uh, I think we're putting together a really funny show. It's on a Gas Digital Network. Uh, but also you can uh, listen to it for free on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you listen to podcasts on. Well, dude, I appreciate uh, you coming down. Uh, no, thank you so much for having me, Earl. You're one of the uh, rising stars of Roast Battle and uh, super funny comics. So uh, become a fan of Zach, guys. And uh, hopefully we can get more New York roasters uh, on the show. Uh, everyone's, we all love each other. It's one big happy family, uh, minus one or two people. And uh, you'll find out who they are sooner than later. You know, karma comes in all forms, guys. And I hear every bad word said. <laughs>